What's up then, listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Midge and the Keg NFL podcast. Host as usual, Midge, alongside my co-host, the Keg. Hi, guys. And joining us today for our very first player interview special, we have former 10-year NFL tight end Logan Paulson joining us today. How are we doing today, Logan? Good. How are you guys doing? All right? Yeah, good, thanks. All good. doing good, sir. Mm. Yeah, like I say, I really appreciate you taking the time out today to talk to us. Um, as everyone knows, we'll be having this out. It's our first uh, player interview, and like I say, really, really appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, so, Logan, just sort of getting straight into it, obviously, with your career. Now, you had a fantastic career considering, you know, a, an average career in the NFL lasts at least, what, three to five seasons. You, you managed to play a decade worth uh, in the NFL, uh, mostly playing for Washington and a few other teams. You know, and we'll, we'll go right where it started at UCLA. I mean, for you, as uh, obviously, you know, you're a tremendous athlete for everything you've done. You've mentioned in various other things that you've played different sports. Was the was football always the goal? Was the NFL always the dream for you coming, going out into college? Well, actually, no, it wasn't. So when I was in high school, um, which I, I know your your school system's a little structured a little differently. So right yeah. before like university or whatever, um, you know, I was I was going to be a soccer player. That was my goal. Okay. That was my ambition. And I, you know, was playing pretty competitive, like travel league soccer out here. You know, where you kind of go all the best kids from an area on a team. You play other good kids from a team. It's a kind of club environment. You got to pay to play. It's expensive. It's very competitive. That's how you get college looks. And uh, I was playing soccer at the time. And then my high school, my dad kind of just signed me up for football in high school. And that was um, something just kind of he thought would kind of help me kind of integrate into high school and make some friends, that kind of thing. And uh, my second year, so my sophomore year in high school, um, you know, we got a new coach and he came out and he watched me do a soccer practice. And he was like, I th- hey, man, I think you could play Division One football. And I kind of said, you're out of your mind. Like, you know, I've dedicated all this time to soccer. And then in kind of conjunction with that, you know, my old man, he's a, an aerospace engineer. He graduated from MIT, really bright dude. My mom kind of is not a, is a pretty smart gal in her own right. And so school was always a priority for me. And, you know, like I didn't even really think about getting a college offer, get, you know, I just kind of thought I'd be able to continue playing sports in college is something that I was passionate yeah. about. And then lo and behold, it kind of just fell into place in this really nice kind of unforeseen way, excuse me. And I was in, ended up playing, uh, Football at UCLA, so it was awesome. What position you played soccer then? I suppose it's obviously the big sport over here that sort of everyone plays. Yeah, so I uh, so for my for my club team, I was kind of like the first man off the bench. So I would come in right. and basically play forward, kind of like stress the defense a little bit and run around until yeah. I felt like I was going to vomit. They'd be like, "Hey, Logan, come on back, come sit with me on the bench." And then uh, for my high school team, I played stopper, kind of defensive midfield position, and kind of won all those uh, like uh, goal kicks and 50-50 balls and. Uh, just played yeah. physical kind of in there in the middle and it was great I had a ton of fun with that and that was what that was the position I thought I was going to end up playing I had one scholarship offer to play soccer but it was kind of really late in the process I had already committed to UCLA so kind of said you know there was more money in football anyway so went with that yeah nice yeah I mean yeah Mitch went over and did a year in America soccer so. uh, oh, did he? yeah yeah, yeah funny <laughs> enough yeah I was um this was a few oh, a few years ago now about six seven years ago I played at um Santa Rosa Junior College um, over there so, oh, really? so for a year yeah 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 so around Santa Rosa area which was like best year of my life so like, it was great <laughs> I mean I must admit it, it was hard I mean because obviously transition to here where it's pretty cold in the UK yeah. and then I'm playing average in about I mean obviously we use centigrade over here but obviously over, over there it was easily over 100 degrees Fahrenheit most games yeah. and I'm like 
you know, it was quite a transition, but it, it was a ton of fun. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> really good, so, really good stuff. I mean, you played at UCLA, obviously. I got the, the 91,000 seater there, the, uh, the Rose Bowl. Obviously, what, I mean, that must have been a bit of an experience. Sort of got you prepared for the NFL. Yeah, so, you know, I went to UCLA because it was kind of close to my family. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, which is probably 20. It's, it's about 40 minutes from the Rose Bowl, but about 25 mm -hmm. minutes from UCLA, which is the campuses in Westwood. And then my my girlfriend at the time was now my wife. She was going to school down in UC Irvine, which is about an hour and a half south. So I kind of got everything really close there for me. And then the Rose Bowl, I mean, I don't think I've ever played on a better pitch in my whole career. You know, like you yeah. go out there and it feels like carpet under your feet, the way they got that thing just perfectly worked. And, you know, they take a ton of games on there, but still that grass is flawless week in and week out. And, uh, yeah, you know, when I was playing at UCLA, the, you know, the, the Bruins weren't very good. I mean, I think I was part of one winning season when I was there. And so we wouldn't sell out the Rose Bowl every week, but, you know, against USC, which is our division or kind of our rival, um, you know, that, that was always kind of a fun game to be a part of because they get, you know, 90-ish thousand people in a stadium at a time watching a football game is pretty cool. So, yeah, it must be. Yeah, I think touching upon that, like you said, obviously being at UCLA wasn't its most prestigious times, if you like. Like you say, you had the one winning season. Obviously, due to that time as well, you did have quite a lot of coaching changes there, um, especially in sure. terms of those season stuff. I mean, coming obviously as an as a college athlete, sort of obviously, you know, you you want to be putting yourself in the best position, you know, on the field to to get in for for the draft. You know, obviously, it was obviously a few years you were at UCLA for. I mean. How difficult was that? Because obviously, you know, there's always all that structure of even in today's NFL with so many coaching changes can affect a lot of players or players in different ways. I mean, how was it for you? Yeah, so, you know, my priority at the time was not football. My priority at the time was to graduate UCLA with a degree. You know, that was something my dad really reiterated. I kind of was treating football like a, like a full like a full time job and I was going to school full time. Like I was that's why I was that, that's how I was paying for my school was through the football. Yeah. And uh, that was really kind of the priority, make sure I was doing good at football so that the school was being taken care of. And that was it. I never envisioned myself having an opportunity at the, at the NFL level. And so those coaching changes, while they were kind of tumultuous and difficult, I thought they taught me a lot about how to deal with people, you know, how to have conversations, how to deal with different coaching philosophies, different coaching styles, different schemes offensively. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm grateful for that. Because when I did get to the NFL, which was totally kind of, I, not blind luck, but, you know, I was very fortunate to have that opportunity. Like I was able to kind of integrate with all these different see, uh, schemes at a very, it was, yeah. it was easier for me as opposed to guys who were in the same system for four or five years in college. So, you know, a lot of people would see that as a detriment in a lot of ways. It was, it was a detriment, detriment to my production. You know what I mean? I didn't get drafted, mm -hmm. but that was never really the goal. And I think there was a lot of benefits associated with it. Pass interference, defense, automatic first down. I mean, um, if we yeah, sort of go on to the, the drafting process, obviously, you mentioned, obviously, you went undrafted. I mean, you signed for um, Washington. Was it Shanahan at the time that sort yeah, of yeah. picked you up? Was that, I mean, how was the whole process around the draft? Were you sort of expecting to be drafted or...? So, yeah, uh, basically, you know, I hurt, I had a really bad injury my senior year, my, my last year of college, and then I ended up getting a medical redshirt. So there was a little bit of right. buzz about me going out of that season, but I got hurt. So it didn't really matter. So I came back for a fifth year and then kind of all the kind of buzz that was associated with me about maybe getting drafted, all that stuff. And it was never like I was going to get drafted high. It was always kind of like fifth round and below all that kind of went away. And I kind of knew uh, that I wasn't going to ha have an opportunity to get drafted. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, maybe I should start thinking about going to law school, thinking about going to get, you know, like secondary mm -hmm. education, all that kind of stuff. 
And uh, I had a couple agents reached out to me and said, you know, we think there's an opportunity to get, you could play in the NFL, not necessarily get drafted. So I signed with a guy who had one other client at the time, his name was Steve Carrick. And he was like, I think you have a real good shot. So he paid for my training kind of pre-draft. So I had an okay pro day, nothing crazy. And, um, and then the draft comes and I, you know, I was in conversation with a couple teams, Dallas, San Diego at the time, the Washington football team. And they kind of were all like, come here, sign here. We're going to draft you the next pick. And then it never really came to fruition. So you're at the end of the draft and it's kind of like, Hey, here's an opportunity for you to, um, to sign with San Diego, Dallas, or Washington. And, in the pre-draft process, my agent kind of identified and I identified San Diego and Washington as the best situation for me to sign as a free agent. They had kind of two established guys, but after that, the depth chart wasn't really established. So I thought, you know, here's a good opportunity for me to come in as a young guy and play. And then to kind of put the cherry on top is my coach, my freshman year at UCLA was now the tight end coach at for the Washington football team or the Washington at the time. So because of that familiarity, because I had kind of this advocate, I thought to myself, here's an opportunity for me to, to have a pretty good shot to make the football team. And, you know, I just kind of grinded and went at it. You know, like, like my dad did going to work for 40 years at the same job. He's like, you know, be a professional, treat it like a job. And I did. And I think that professionalism uh, really paid dividends, you know, as a young guy coming into that organization. Yeah. That, that preseason must be tough, you know, like, you know, 75 guys are saying, all sort of fighting to get on this 50-man squad. Yeah, I mean, so that was back before all the new stuff was going on. So I remember coming into that offseason and we had like rookie minicamp. So we'd have rookie minicamp at 4.30 a.m. We'd go out to practice, yeah. right? We'd practice for two hours. We'd come in and then we'd go practice with the regular team at 10, right? So we'd get a little breakfast, come back and go to another practice, come back in, go to meetings until 3 o'clock. And then we'd have another set of practices there at the end so we're really doing three days for those kind of rookie mini camp stuff and yeah it was a grind man because they drafted a guy from uh, louisiana tech um to play tight end and um you know he didn't handle his business very well but that was kind of my competition and each week you know like in the preseason process you just talked about you get in for five plays here ten plays there four plays here and you just got to make every single one of those plays count like you got to do something that makes guys keep watching you when the film is on you know what I mean so that was a process that again like I didn't think I was going to make the team I wasn't like I had no expectation because of like like you said it's so challenging to make that to make a team in that situation so um yeah I just kind of had my nose to the stone and was like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this opportunity knowing that I kind of gave it everything I had and that was my goal and then thankfully it paid off. You know, you got to be a little bit, you got to have skill and you also got to get a little bit of lucky. And thankfully I had both at the time. So. Ideally. I mean, yeah, like I say, cause it was massively, like you said, just going undrafted. Um, like we pointed out um, previously, you know, obviously having that draft process. And then like you said, you played with a guy that got drafted. Like, you know, you, that was sort of your competition yeah. thing. So obviously the, the, the expectation is high, you know, you, you know, and not like you say, you challenged that bar. And, and being on the team. So sort of just touching upon that, obviously that tight end room, I mean, the infield, especially in your rookie, you know, you had um, pro brother Chris Cooley uh, in there and um, and the talent guy in, um, in Fred Davis as well. I mean, how was that? I mean, for me, that's quite a nice, nice room to go into if, if, you're, a, if you're a rookie, you know, obviously trying out in the league, it's all new to you. I mean, how are them guys as, as teammates as well as players? How, how did you get on with that? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, look at you guys across the pond knowing all these football players from 10 years ago. That's pretty <laughs> cool. Anyway, 
So, um, like Chris Cooley, obviously he's kind of an eccentric personality, but was a great mentor to me in the sense that like, he kind of was able to peel back the veil of the NFL game and help me understand things that in college you're able to get away, get away with, you know, like really, uh, one, one thing is just an example. Like I was always a little bit late off the snap count, like, cause I didn't want to jump off sides. Right. And so in the NFL, when I got there, I was always a little late to the blocks. I wasn't losing blocks, but I wasn't dominating them the way I could have. And Cooley was like, you have to anticipate that snap count to the, the maximum ability that you possibly can. And so that was a huge dividend for me. And then obviously working with a guy like Fred Davis, who's tremendously athletically talented every day you show up and you have an opportunity to look at one of the best athletes in the world and say to yourself, like, I am not that guy. I have to do all of these other things in order to make sure that I can be here and contribute to this team and have value. And that's basically what I did every day is I had these two really awesome role models, you know, one, because he's such a true professional and obviously a great athlete. And then Fred, who was this great standard to kind of always be chasing in terms of physical performance. And so, yeah, it was, it was, I think it was a really good opportunity for me to learn from two great dudes. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And obviously it's such a, such a tough position at tight end because obviously you've got all your blocking assignments yeah. and you've also got to be able to receive the ball when, you know, when called upon. Yes. I mean, how, how was it playing tight end? <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, you know, that was back uh, 10 years ago now. 2010 was my rookie mm-hmm. year. And I do think there's been a kind of this maturation and evolution at the position. So at the time, like blocking was the priority, right? You had to be able to kind yeah. of hold your own in the run game and go nose to nose with a, you know, 280-pound defensive end and, you know, kind of make hay in that department. And so that's kind of, I think, one of the reasons I made the team because I could do that really well. And, um, you know, as the position has grown, as I – at it during my time in the NFL, they've kind of transitioned to these like hyper athlete, super skilled guys, you know, Kyle Pitts now in the draft this year, kind of mm. exemplifying that to the thousandth degree, you know, guys who can play receiver guys who can play in line. And so I was kind of at the, the front end of that, right. Where like you could kind of get away with being better, really good in one area and not, not necessarily the greatest athlete. And so now over the course of my career, that's changed. And it'd be interesting now for me to, to go back and try to get in now, because I don't know if I was the athlete or if I am the athlete to play the way that the position has kind of changed and, and is today. So, yeah. I'm glad you touched upon that. So I was actually going to bring up, cause obviously um, and people that follow you on social media, especially on Instagram, have known you've done, obviously you're still heavily involved in the game. You know, you still love it. And I see your evaluation on Carl Pitts and obviously he's like, far and above beyond you know what people yeah. want in a tight end like he's an absolute monster at the position I mean I watched his pro day the other day just sort of casually doing stuff and I'm like, like how does he it's just incredible I mean right. we could sing praise about him all day but I mean a good thing you touched upon the position like you said could sort of call it 10 years ago now when you sort of well maybe all now but when you first started like you say you had a little bit more in terms of that style, you know, with the blocking assignments, all that type of things in the scheme. Right. And now you're looking at guys like Carl Pitts, who, I mean, if there is a knock on him, I'm not, you know, I'm no draft expert, but obviously no. a lot of what I've heard from scouts saying they're not too bothered about his blocking because they, a lot of teams reckon they'll use him as a pass catcher because he's just yeah. incredibly talented and quick on his feet. I mean, do you think that's the way, the best way the NFL has gone for tight ends? I mean, you look at like New England, for example, with these two tight end sets that they're now bringing back with John o. Smith and Hunter Henry. I mean, do, yeah. do, do you think that sort of old tight end expectation of like that gritty blocker on that set? I mean, I mean, you even pointed out yourself, you used to play in sort of that fullback role as well, just in case um, in sort of yeah. that depth role chart. How much do you think it has yeah. really evolved today in, in comparison to what it was 10 years ago? Do you think it's much better watching as, as an offense or a lot easier to play tight end nowadays? 
So I, I think it's I think it's challenging in the sense that you need to be like a top tier athlete to play the position. You look at the guys who are at the top of the position right now: uh, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. You know, even Zach Ertz, who's not quite the athlete that those guys are, but he does have some of that quickness receiving um, style to his game. You know, he's not great in line. And I think that's what they want at the position now. You know, NFLs are passing 60% of the time on first yeah. and second down. And that jumps up to 70 or 80% on third third down, right? So it, it's, it's a game that's cultivated by athletes. You know, the way that they, the NFL has kind of changed the rules now to protect pass catchers, right? Now that like the, the disadvantages of throwing the football are not as great as they once were, you know, there's all these targeting issues. Now the quarterbacks are protected. O-line play has gotten a lot better in the pass protection area. You know, like the, the rules back in the day, you were very, very limited about what you could do from a holding standpoint. NFL's pulled way back on that. So it is an advantage now to have a guy at the position who is a game changer, right? It's not just a guy who's going to put his hand in the dirt and smash his face into another person for you to run the ball for three yards. Now they want guys who can attack the seam, beat corners, beat uh, safeties, beat linebackers, because that skill set is something that is that fits with the style of the offensive style, the offensive emphasis of the yeah. NFL. So I think you're going to just see more and more kind of big wide receivers kind of making the transition to tight end. And that's not to say Kyle Pitts can't block. Cause one of the things like when I turn on the tape, he's an, he's an absolute just freaky, twitchy, um, explosive athlete. And you can see him on Corliss hips on guys and he's a very special talent that way. But I do think guys, the, the position now is looking for that receiving skill set more than ever. Yeah. I mean, you had success in your first year. Obviously you got uh, your first ever touchdown against uh, Tampa Bay. How was yeah. that? That was, uh, you know, cause like, I mean, it's, it was, I was on cloud nine. I was, I was mm. so happy just cause like, your ex my expectation was that I was going to be going to law school. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what yeah. I thought I would be doing. And then all of a sudden I'm catching a touchdown from, you know, my mom's favorite football player, Donovan McNabb in a stadium full of crazy Washington football team fans. And like, we're going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We ended up losing the game, but it was the go ahead score. And it was just yeah. like, it was something that I never would have expected. It was like the second pass I'd ever caught in the NFL. Like I only caught one touchdown my whole college career. So to have my first kind of meaningful start be a touchdown catch against Tampa Bay was just extraordinary. You know what I mean? And I can't, like, you know, like I was just so blessed to have that opportunity and like to be in that situation for the chips to fall that way. I mean, it was fantastic, really. I let you keep the ball. Uh, yeah, I did keep it. I, I gave it to my mom for Christmas, and you know, she was uh, she was pretty stoked about that. So nice. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, just in terms of. Like I say that because obviously you you had pretty much half your career playing in Washington. Yeah. Now obviously being surrounded, we'll have to bring up the coaches. Obviously playing under obviously at the time yeah. both Shanahan's and um, obviously Sean McVay uh, was in the offensive schemes as well. I mean, you look at obviously what Kyle has produced since you know since yeah. he left Washington and also and also Sean McVay, two very arguably two very high talented head coaches in today's NFL with what they produce offensively. Um, were you are you like I say not surprised, but obviously how I think more for your experience. I mean, how is it working under that that offense? Because it seems to me wherever Shanahan's gone, even and even where McVeigh has gone, they get yeah. success offensively. I mean, how was that for you for under the under them two coaches? Um, I consider myself to be extremely blessed to have played under and been a part of the scheme of two of the best offensive minds in the NFL and who probably will be for the next 15 years, you know, and even, you know, you didn't talk about Matt LaFleur. He's the head coach up in Green yeah, Bay. He course, was there yeah. when I was with him. And then, you know, some of the Pretty best cool. minds in football today were a part of that staff. Yeah. So 
Um, I think it shows a couple things. I think one, it shows like, you know, despite this kind of uh, demand for like this pass happy offense, I think it shows the validity of making sure you have a balanced attack, right? Because that's one thing that Kyle uh, LaFleur, McVay, they all try to do. They all try to emphasize having a balanced ground game to complement the pass game and how those formations and personnel groupings are like woven together in this really awesome way to help you kind of uh, to help the team and the offense be more productive. You know, everyone says we got to get back and throw the football, you know, 50 times a game. They're a little, they're not of that mindset. Right. And I think that's really cool that they have kept some of the things that made the old game really good and added it and kind of spliced it in and, and made their offenses more effective. And in terms of being surprised, like if you were to talk to Kyle for five minutes, you would see immediately why he's the smartest, one of the smartest people in the NFL. Same thing with Sean, like Sean has a tremendous leadership style. He like, he was the type of guy, like he knew everybody's name in the building. I'm talking every single person, every single player, every single coach, every single janitor, every single cook, every, every single person Sean knew their name and he'd always say hi to them and was very, charismatic in that way and then Matt LaFleur he's probably the most surprising but he has had the most time with Kyle he was the offensive uh, quarterback coach when uh, Kyle was in, in Atlanta with uh, Matt Ryan and I think he's just grown and matured um, also but also when he was in Washington a very very bright dude you could tell right away very passionate about football and so I think like yeah in terms of being surprised no not at all because they were bright dudes they saw the game in this really nuanced technical way that was extremely cool and like i said i was i'm so blessed to have got to see that firsthand on sportsmanlike conduct 15 yards yeah we we saw yeah we saw shanahan obviously and is sort of the best defensive coach we've seen there like you know as you say yeah. the balanced run game and yeah you know i mean was he sort of not to put you on to put you on the spot of who the best was but i mean was he sort of the top coach you sort of worked with not to yeah, i mean so I'd say there was very few coaches who, who kind of had the, like that savant element to them, you know, like they just understood kind of, they understood defenses really well. He understood defense really well. He understood how defenses would see certain formations really well. And he was able to impart a lot of that to Sean, but where Sean excels is he's a very smart dude, very technical, very kind of nitty gritty, but he excels as a leader, right? He excels in his leadership capacity. In addition to his intelligence, in terms of just straight football IQ, I think you're really hard pressed to find someone better than Kyle Shanahan maybe Andy Reid, but like, that's a debate, you know what I mean? In terms of, of who's been more offensively innovative over the course of their career, I think you could make maybe say Andy because of the, the wide array of schemes yeah. he's deployed to kind of help his teams be better. But I think in terms of understanding defense and, and just being able to teach an offense, I think Kyle's a, a pretty special talent for sure. Definitely. I mean, obviously when us being big Atlanta fans, we'll get onto Atlanta in, the, in a little bit. Um, obviously was, you know, especially since obviously I followed them and obviously we won't talk about the Super Bowl, but obviously just that year in general was special in terms of what the offense produced and everything else yeah. um, sort of that year was incredible. Um, sort of touching upon still with Washington, obviously uh, after a few years, you might have to correct me what year it was, but you eventually got a, um, a multi-year deal um, as a contract. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can imagine that that's not a, you know, you know, mum, I made it type moment, but it, it must have felt really like really special to have that um, extension, obviously staying with the same team and then sort of obviously putting the faith in you and giving you a multi-year contract. I mean, how was that when you uh, when you signed that? That was really cool. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I, I don't think I realized how cool it was at the time because like you're dealing in this world of like obscene money. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the backup guards making $20 million. And so when I signed the deal, I was like, oh, well, I'm a little underpaid. Right. There was just kind of 
the the nature of it was kind of weird in the sense like I was a restricted free agent I couldn't go anywhere but uh, Washington and even if I wanted to they could have tendered me and I would have been kind of stuck there right and not to say that I'm not grateful for the deal but at the time I was a little I don't say disgruntled but I was a little like man I wish I would have held out for more whatever 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 but in retrospect you know kind of going into those next three years like and having the security and having the financial security that I'm still enjoying now for my family I think is is, is awesome. And then also, I think the idea of going from kind of like the land of unwanted toys as an undrafted free agent to now having a team say like, we want you here, you know, and then putting a monetary value on it that is not insignificant, I think was pretty cool too. So, um, you know, and I love the city of Washington, my wife and my kids and everything. We, we were really happy here and staying with it, um, staying with the organization. It's cool. Obviously I'm, I'm involved, you know, talking about the football team now. Yeah. So um, yeah, man, it's, it was really, really cool. And like, you know, in retrospect, even cooler, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. And then I, I suppose you sort of, you had the, the injury, was it a season long injury? On- I had the, uh, yeah. So what was it? 2012, mm-hmm. I signed the deal. Thir- uh, 13, I played. Uh, or was that right? Yeah. Anyway, something like that. And then I had a bad injury. I missed 2014 or 2015 with the toe injury. And, um, yeah, I missed the whole year, which was pretty terrible. And, um, you know, like that was a kind of coming to Jesus moment, like his year, I was, that was the last year of my deal. I wasn't sure if I'd be brought back. They did bring me back, but they also signed Vernon Davis, who I think everybody knows who Vernon Davis is. is a pretty special talent, even when he's 35 years old. And um, yeah, and so like I kind of could see the writing on the wall, there was a change, there was a coaching shift. And, you know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea in terms of like what I bring athletically to the position. So I could kind of and like, you know, I had a scout, this is kind of a little bit of an aside, I had a scout in Washington once tell me when I was in 2011, right before I signed the deal, he's like, you are a person that I always want to replace. Like, I don't think you bring like a value to the position. So every year I'm trying to find somebody who's better than you and just, and they, every year they would bring awesome. somebody to it. And I was always kind of good enough or edged them out or did whatever. And then they brought in Vernon after an injury and I wasn't able to do that anymore. And, you know, Vernon's a freak. So like, I don't know what I was expecting, but yeah. I mean, did that keep you sort of pushing then? I suppose what made you play hard, even harder, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, there was like basically the idea that, um, everyone always thought that I wasn't good enough, like pretty much my whole time playing in the NFL. They were always looking for an upgrade, always looking for someone better. And that was something that, you know, gave me a lot of anxiety, but it also pushed me every day to kind of, I was the first guy there. I'd get there, you know, at 5 a.m. I'd get my workout in. I'd leave at 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night, you know, studying, reviewing film, doing body maintenance and stuff. And that that schedule is not very tenable because it's this very high stress environment, but that was the only way I knew how to do it was just to act just grind myself into the dirt, make sure that there was no doubt, no room, no stone left unturned that like I could have done more to play longer, do more, I think is, is the idea there. So um, yeah, I wasn't the best athlete, but I was going to really work to stay because I knew how valuable it was, you know? Yeah. 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 And that's a good thing to have, obviously having that grind. Um, just sort of touching upon that, like you said about, about the schedule, obviously it's quite a grueling yeah. thing. Obviously uh, not long ago, the NFL have announced now there's going to be an extra game played in the regular season. Yeah. Now, I think as a, from a fan's perspective, obviously the first instant reaction is great. We get another game. Obviously that's what the majority right. of the fans think, you know, looking into it. But as a player, because obviously I, see, I saw a few tweets from, from some guys, uh, obviously in the league today, I can't name exactly all of them, but, you know, a few of them weren't particularly happy. Now, just sort yeah. of cutting it back for your, from your perspective, I'd just like to know, I mean, obviously if you were playing, if you were playing now, I mean, what, what would your feelings be? I know obviously you're there to do a job, but I do get 
the athletes and the NFL players' argument of a case of the stress on the body, like you've just mentioned. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, um, you know, you get paid to play and you got to play them, right? I think the important thing to think here about is from like an analytics perspective, right? So to get benefits, to be eligible for the uh, NFL's severance package, you have to play um, three years and three games, right? And so that was hard before, but now it's going to be damn near impossible, right? Those three games now are kind of allocated over the three years, right? So I think you're going to see a pretty precipitous drop off in terms of guys who are eligible and are going to be, you know, receiving medical benefits, receiving long-term health care from the NFL, which is probably part of the NFL's ultimate design, right? It's going to save ownership money. And I think young guys are, you know, they don't have enough power to kind of say, hey, man, we need to kind of change the way, you know, those benefits are allocated now with the game schedule. So I think that's going to be a big deal. I think you're going to see a little bit of an uptick in injuries because, like, it's tough, man. I Like, um, you know, when I was playing a lot, I was playing, like, 65 70% of the snaps, which is less than even, like, offensive linemen who plays 100% of the snaps. By the end of the year, man, you are wringing a towel pretty dry in terms of how your body feels, right? You got kind of everyone's hurt, knees, elbows, you know, your neck, your head, everything hurts a lot. And, you know, I've heard this uh, analogy made before in terms of force numbers, each one of those games is like a car accident, right? And so you are willingly being paid to go through 16 car accidents in a year, right? You know, fighters, MMA fighters, boxers, they fight once or twice a year. And here you are taking precipitous amounts of head trauma over the course of 17 weeks. So I do think it's tough. I think fans need to understand how grueling and how challenging it is. Like I wouldn't change anything. You know, the game did a lot for me and my family but there is a lot of risk associated with it. And you've just added another game associated with a tremendous amount of risk. You know, like everyone talks about guys coming up on big contracts, like every single game is an opportunity for you to be injured and the ownership to say, Hey, you didn't play a full season. Right. And I think adding to that workload is pretty tough. I think. Yeah. I mean, moving on from Washington, obviously you you then went on to play for, you know, a lot of teams in sort of over a few years. I mean, I think was it Chicago first. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like the Windy City. It's like right on a big lake there. It's a great sports town. Um, and that was my experience with it. It was awesome. Really good town. We were terrible, I think, that year. Like the, they, were, they were about to fire the whole coaching staff. And so I think everybody kind of knew that. And the writing was on the wall. But in terms of the guys there, it was really cool and really special to play with that bunch of dudes. And, you know, I got to play with Jay Cutler and Alshon Jeffries. It's like some big names. But, you know, Zach Miller was there. He was another great tight end. Kind of had his career cut short by a gruesome injury. But, you know, one of my best friends was a tight end coach there. I still talk to him to this day. So, you know, and I played pretty good football while I was there, which is always a good thing. You know what I mean? So um, despite kind of the train wreck that that season was, or the dumpster fire, if you will, like I got a lot of good things out of it. And I'm really, ex- I was really happy for the opportunity to be in Chicago, which like you said, has got kind of a storied history as a sports town. Well, well, yeah, well, when you went back to, for, so through Chicago, like you said, um, funny enough, you brought up Zach Miller, because like you say, obviously, it just shows how how that like, bad injury can sort of affect your career. Because obviously, he was prospect to have a, you know at least a long a longevity in his NFL career. Uh, touching upon that, I mean, sort of going to San Francisco now. Obviously, getting reunited back with um, with Kyle. How was that for you? Because um, you yeah. might have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was it was quite a stressful process. Because obviously, I think you got uh, resigned <laughs> a couple a cu- couple times, if I remember correctly. But you might have to might have to touch upon that for me. Yeah, I thought there was a great opportunity for me there to be playing a lot of football. I was really excited about it. And then, um, you know, uh, George Kittle kind of emerged onto the scene and has become the absolute monster. Uh, you know, Greg uh, or Selleck ended up playing really well. 
And um, I was the third guy on the roster and I wasn't really expecting that. And Kyle at this point in his career is kind of treating that as the flex roster spot. So if you need an extra defensive lineman or if you need an extra cornerback or whatever, because of injuries, like that's the guy that gets cut and re-signed or whatever. And so I kind of went through that. And, and to be fair, like I was, I, I was never a great athlete, but I was kind of entering this point in my career where I had kind of, you know, I don't know if this was the right decision, but I kind of really totally bought into the run blocking tight end thing. And I probably should have been cultivating more athletic traits during that time period. And so, um, so yeah, that was really tough because I moved my family out to San Francisco. We were living in like this kind of small apartment and then I got cut. I stayed around for a week. I got resigned, got cut again. They said, we're probably not going to bring you back. I moved my family back to Virginia. Then I had, then they were like, we want to bring you back. So I came back to San Francisco and I ended up living in like this basically hostel, like where they took a single family home and broke it into 15 rooms. Cause I don't know if you guys know about San Francisco, but it's like crazy expensive to live there. Um, and I was paying a thousand dollars a month for basically a closet. And um, that's what I left. That's where I lived for the last eight weeks of the season. So despite all that stress, I did get to take advantage of a cool feature of a veteran contract. Like if you're on an opening day roster as a veteran, you get your salary guaranteed. And if you get cut, the salary is guaranteed. Okay. And if a team resigns you, they have to pay you for those weeks that you're resigned. So I kind of got like a one and a half salary for that year, which, you know, I don't know if it's worth it because it was pretty terrible, but you know, like great group of guys, great opportunity to kind of see the evolution of Kyle's system from when I was in Washington. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that like any type of adversity, like it sucks while you're in it, but if you can learn from it and look back on it and say, I got all these good things out of it, it's worth it. So yeah, it was really stressful at the time. And, you know, my wife and my family was super supportive. So that was great, but you know, ended up learning a lot from it. So. Yeah. I mean, especially going from, I suppose that, long five-year stay at Washington and then having the two teams so close together. Must be, yeah. Yeah. Must I mean, be I kind of went on my, my whirlwind tour. So I went to Chicago, San Francisco, Atlanta, <laughs> and then Houston, you know, so I got four and four years, which was pretty tough. But again, like it was good for me to kind of diversify my knowledge about the NFL and see different landscapes and see how different ownerships work and how different teams operate. And I'm really grateful for that because I think it's allowed me to kind of, you know, learn more and deepen my knowledge of the game, which is always important. Holding, number 55, 10-yard penalty. Yeah, and then obviously he moved on to Atlanta, which obviously um, we're, we're both Atlanta fans. So um, Yeah, why are you guys Atlanta talking? Can you talk about that for a second? Why yeah, are you guys- um, <laughs> we started watching about sort of seven or eight years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, it was actually uh, Midge that sort of um, picked Atlanta. He's... <laughs> Why? Like, story, like, of all the teams. Like, why not? <laughs> yeah, uh, why not? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it pretty weird run. So, obviously, long story short, when, when I was getting into it, I, I, I sort of managed to bring the keg along with me and during that whole process. But I remember watching Super Bowl, I want to say the Super Bowl 44 or 45, uh, the second Patriots and Giants rematch, if you like. And oh, right. my, dad's yeah. big giant, my, dad, dad, my dad's a big Giants fan um so obviously winning that game was cool and and I just I, I loved watching it and I was like yeah I, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna get into it and look at all these teams and stuff and, and I'm going through stuff because obviously everything's new to me and uh-huh. I was like okay there's got to be more teams than, than obviously the Giants and um and New England and yeah. so I was going through all these teams and I've I've, I've come across the logo right and I, I was like oh I knew it I, was, I knew it I knew it <laughs> Come across them. Uh, oh, they're an NFL team. And as yeah. soon as I started reading about Atlanta, which at the time in 2012 was Matt Ryan, yeah. Julio, Tony, 
obviously, yeah. you know, I can imagine, you know, from a time stretch, if you, you'd love to, everyone loves Tony Gonzalez, Roddy White, yeah. that mm-hmm. offense in general, yeah. that's what sort of drove me to, to, to support in Atlanta, you know, and uh, that's, oh, that's sort yeah. of the, the quick, fast story, if you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. Yeah, we're, we're not um, people to sort of jump on the sort of the bandwagon, the bandwagon. of the Patriots either. So, you know, no, no point in supporting the, uh, you know, the team that's going to win it every year. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> so you guys aren't Tampa Bay fans now, though? No. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it could be worse, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a story for another time, maybe. But yeah, definitely not jumping on that bandwagon, you know, as much as Atlanta's going for a hard time, which I'm sure we could touch upon, but... Through yeah. thick and thin, as, as it were. I mean, I just yeah. wanted to touch upon your time in Atlanta, Logan, because obviously I, I, I've i managed to go to Atlanta only once. You know, I want to go back. I, I, funny enough, obviously, for eight years, Atlanta has eluded us for us trying to watch them play. They right. were supposed to come to London. They're supposed to be coming right. this year, so knock on wood, it happens. But, yeah. you know, with everything else, with COVID and everything. But, I mean, from your perspective... How was the general experience in Atlanta? I mean, I went there and I instantly loved it. I mean, the, the city, the vibe, everything about it just really appealed to me. I mean, how how was it for you generally? I mean, because you were there for what was it, about a year and a half? Yeah, a year and a half. Um, so, I, you know, because I after my experience in San Francisco, I didn't move my family down there. So I was kind of living by myself, which was tough because I had a young kid. My daughter had just been born. So that was a little challenging. But in terms of the city, I loved it. The team practices up in Flowery, Flowery Branch which is like an hour north of the city. So you spend more time in kind of rural Georgia, which is fine. You know, there's a lots of, you know, there's a lake there. It's, it's beautiful and it's not, it's not a long drive to the city, but the city's great. The fan, like the, the fan base there isn't quite what it was in like Chicago or Washington, I would say they're kind of, um, they, they've upgraded the stadium. I think the price of the tickets has gone up. It's kind of weeded out some of that older crowd. And, um, but yeah, you know, I had a great experience there. Dan Quinn, I thought was an awesome human being, really good dude, kind of, different leadership style than I've been exposed to. He kind of came from that Pete Carroll kind of brotherhood. I'm sure you guys have heard that term yeah. around when he was there mentality, which I kind of thought was dumb. And then I got there and I loved it. I loved playing for him. I love being a part of it. And I think that was one of the reasons that when I got cut, I, it was really hard for me because I totally bought into this idea of like brotherhood and supporting each other and mentoring young guys. And then when I, when I ended up getting released there, I was like, it was kind of devastating. And it's like, like a really bad breakup way because I had invested so much into it. But I credit his leadership style for that, that he was able to kind of get that out of me, which I appreciate, you know, because I found a great passion for that. Um, obviously, like, um, you know, Matt Ryan's a great dude, like really competitive guy, fun to play with, one of the best that ever did it. Uh, Julio Jones is literally the freakiest human being I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like just uh, like any kind of anything physically that he could think about doing, like he could do it in a heartbeat and, that was really cool to see like to see like the pinnacle of a position to see like the archetype of a position and how he approached the game because like despite all of his physical gifts like he grinds man he works really hard and um it's he knows the playbook and he's a true pro and he's passionate about the game so that was pretty cool and just kind of yeah being down there for that was awesome and it was disappointing because like i felt like the team should have been better because the roster was really talented yeah. calvin Ritten, that was his first year and, um, you know, he's obviously a very talented guy as well, but a little disappointing that it was, it never became what I thought it could be. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. um, you know, so that was tough, but you know, that's how the NFL goes. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, we sort of, you know, we sort of went down here after that, after the Super Bowl, I suppose that was the, that was the, yeah. what happened with Atlanta. Hey. Wasn't it? So, I mean, you work with uh, offensive coordinator there. I know you wanted to touch upon him, Mitch. 
Uh, he's gone into work with college now, hasn't he? Yeah, um, um, obviously, Sarkeesian, I think at the right? time, yeah, yeah Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe, you might have correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure he's the, the head coach now, Texas. Now, obviously, um, he got promoted and stuff. And he obviously was at Alabama before he came to Atlanta. And then I believe he went back into, obviously, went back into the college stage. I mean, how was his type of offense? Because to me, I mean, even the year before, I think you were there, we, we, had, we had a winning season under his offense after Kyle left. Um, sort of trying to pick up the pieces a little yeah. bit. I mean, how was that type of style of offense with, with Steve? So this is going to be like just getting in the weeds here a little bit, but you guys are Atlanta fans, so I don't think you'll mind. So basically uh, Sarkeesian was adopting Kyle's offense. So they basically brought in someone who could kind of keep the momentum of that offense going. And what you found, I think, was interesting, was an interesting dynamic between him and uh, Matt, Ryan, right? Yeah. So basically Matt is a super strong, super competitive personality, really good pro. Um, very given a lot of support by the owner there. Right. And so Matt would kind of come into a meeting. And so this whole offense is predicated on this run marries with this pass and these formations all grouped together. So the defense can't, and Matt would come in and we'd be installing the plays and he'd be like, yeah, we're taking that out. I don't like that one. And not that that's a criticism of Matt. Right. But like Sarkeesian didn't have the ability or the confidence to like stand up to him and say, Hey, like this needs to be in here. And like I used to hear stories about him and Kyle like going to absolute war with each other because Kyle had a point of view. He had a very strong perspective on the offense. It is his offense, right? And he kind of said yeah. to himself, like, these plays need to be in here in order for these other plays to work, right? And so Sark didn't have that. It's not his offense, right? So he didn't under he like he didn't understand. Yeah. I don't think he knew it well enough because he's learning someone else's system, right? And so that kind of dynamic with Matt. I thought was always going to be detrimental. And it's something that I kind of kept in the back of my mind for when I was, when, if I want to get into coaching is understanding how much power to give that guy. He's the face of the organization yeah. making a ton of money. Right. And I understand why coaches, you know, want to support him and kind of yield to his opinion because like, he's a big deal. However, like you need to make sure that that OC can kind of go toe to toe with that guy and feels confident in that. And that's something Kyle, I think has always done a great job of almost to a detriment, right? Because like he takes a guy like Garoppolo and he almost overloads a guy like that who can't stand up for himself. So it's just the yin and yang of kind of meeting and finding balance yeah. with an offense and a dynamic between a relationship, you know? Yeah. I suppose he's just getting the right fits and stuff. And I suppose yeah, Shanahan yeah. was and in terms of man management, he fit Ryan, but he doesn't necessarily fit. Other. That's yeah. Right, absolutely. Absolutely. So they got to find somebody who Sorry, now yeah. can meet with Matt, you know, and meet him on this kind of yeah. intensity level. And hopefully um, Arthur, the new coach, is a guy who can do that for him. So, Yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, he went on to play for Texas. I think it was, it, it was just uh, pre-season at Texas, wasn't it? Was I did Texas, and then I did eight games there. So okay, that was the weirdest it. situation I've ever <laughs> heard of or ever been a part of. So basically they brought me in. And I was basically like the assistant tight end coach. I was active. Oh, I, like I was, I was making like active money, right? I wasn't like on practice squad or anything like that. I just didn't dress for any games. I just practiced with the team and I was running meetings. Like I run rookie meetings afterwards because they had two young guys who were really talented and they wanted to come along and they like heard that I was good at that. And that's what I did. I was uh, an assistant coach for eight weeks and I've never heard of a situation like that. I was making veteran minimum minimum for 10 years, which is a lot of money. It's a million bucks. So I, for eight games, I made $500,000 to not play a single down of football, which is so bizarre. But, you know, that was kind of like, that was, you know, everyone talks about Bill O'Brien and kind of how 
eccentric he is. Like that was one thing about Bill. Like he did not care. He was like, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I think is best. And that's what he did. And it was a really, um, really interesting experience being there. And like, you know, talking about playing with Julio, I also got to play with DeAndre Hopkins there, who is literally like kind of the other kind of peak of that pyramid. And it was cool to see him do it because he kind of does it a little different than Julio, right? His skill set's a little different. The way he runs routes is different. And kind of see how you could be great in two different ways, I thought was really cool too. So, I mean, was that the plan going in there then? Was it, was it sort of always sort of talked about that you'd be that sort of mentor or was it just sort of came about? I mean, I honestly, it was so bizarre because they brought me in. They're like, yeah, we think you're going to play. And then Mm. and not not even they they didn't didn't know. I didn't even say that. They were just like they brought me in and they heard they heard you're good in the locker room. going to be a nice fit here. Mm. And then that's what I did like that. They just kind of I was just doing that. And it was it wasn't like it was like an unspoken thing. Like if you want to stick around, like you need to prove you have value. And I was like, well, this is how I'm going to show you have value. You know, like how we talked about when I was a rookie. Right. Finding ways to have value like. I knew I wasn't going to play. They were happy with the guy that was playing. So I was like, oh, I need to show I have value in another way. And so basically I was on the roster until those two guys got off IR and then one of them came back. That's exactly what happened. Right. So like they were just there kind of to bridge them and help them get back for their opportunity, which, you know, was, was, was a different experience for sure. Yeah. I mean, did that sort of make you want to go into coaching at all? Like that experience or not? Or was it? Yeah. I've always, uh, every, coach I've ever had says I'd be a great coach you mm-hmm. know what I mean and I think it's something that I would enjoy I do enjoy that like the technical aspect of the game I think um one of the things about coaching that fans probably don't know is you know I remember I said as a rookie I would get there at five and I'd leave at eight yep. right and I was like oh that's a pretty long day Mike Shanahan would get there at 4 30 a.m and leave at 10 30 at night and that was what all the coaches did and so I kind of said to myself you know I'd lived away from my family for half of San Francisco, Atlanta, and Houston. So almost three years for the season. And I, if you're a coach, you don't see your family in season anyway, right? So I kind of was like, well, I need to kind of make up for some of this family time that I've kind of put on the back burner the last couple of years and, you know, kind of support my wife and what she wants to do and her visions and her dreams after she supported me for, you know, a decade. Like it's the least I can do, right? So maybe down the road, but I don't think I'm ready for that kind of epic time commitment just yet. Yeah, I mean, you're still involved with football anyway on the radio and stuff. Yeah, yeah doing I the mean, Instagram stuff. And that's been a lot of fun, too, because I get to kind of talk about it. And I still call my buddies up and we talk ball, which is great. And You know what I mean? It's a good time. So Yeah. Right, so, I mean, oh, awesome going stuff. into next season then, I mean, for, for the teams you've played for, just a, you know, just a quick one. I mean, what sort of teams do you think are going to go well next year? Just to put um, you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, so I, th- I think the Washington football team has done a really good job this offseason. You know, they signed two receivers, signed a quarterback. I think they kind of built on that defense, had a nice uh, defensive back. And I think they're going to, if they hit a left tackle or a linebacker in the draft, I, or even another receiver if they wanted to, I think they're going to be kind of the class of the division, you know, depending on how mm. New York looks and how Dak looks coming off the injury. I think they could be heading to the playoffs again next year. Atlanta is so interesting to me because that roster looks super talented every year. The defense always is kind of in a rough spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we just haven't been able to get the right pieces there since the Super Bowl one, really. And I would love it. I would love it, love it, love it, love it if they drafted Kyle Pitts at four. And I think I don't know how after watching his tape you go any other direction, but I'm not an NFL GM and they might feel they have better needs elsewhere, but I think that would be silly if they passed on that. Um <laughs> And then uh, obviously Houston, I think, is a just a total, total garbage fire at the moment. I think they're going to be bad for a long time. And it's really disappointing because, you know, Deshaun uh, Watson was one of the 
coolest, nicest guys that I ever played with. One of the best players I ever played with. Like you could build yeah. around that guy for the future. And obviously he's kind of going through a myriad of uh, these, uh, you know, legal struggles, allegations, yeah. all the different things. And hopefully that works out for him and it's all kind of smoke, but usually where there's smoke, there's fire. And, yeah. you know, I, I, if that's the case, I feel bad for the women involved. And then Chicago, I think they've run into the same thing they run into every year. They haven't been able to sign a quarterback who's going to be a game changer. I think Andy Dalton's fine at the position, but, um, you know, like you want someone you feel good about, right? You want a, yeah. you know, Mahomes, you want a Murray, you want an Allen, you want a, a Wilson, you want a Tom Brady, you want a, even a Matt Ryan, who is to me kind of in that eight to 12 range in terms of yeah. NFL quarterbacks. Um, you want, you'd feel better about that, but you got an Andy Dalton who's probably no offense to him. I love him. I love his career. Um, I think he's a great player, but I think he's right now, he's probably like in the low twenties in terms of where you'd rank him in terms of quarterback, right? Maybe mid twenties. Yeah. So is that really a difference maker for them? Probably not. So, and then San Francisco, holy cow, yeah. you know, they're up <laughs> in the draft. Like they're going nuts. And I think um, like it's, it seems like such an irrational move. I'm not a big fan of giving up yeah. draft capital, um, but obviously like Kyle, I trust Kyle's assessment, especially of a quarterback. And if he sees someone that he believes in and they can build around all four, but that is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, I was, I was very, very surprised. With it. I mean, yeah. to be fair, I think the position they are in, that they are sort of a quarterback away in a way. They haven't got like loads of needs today. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but I mean to give up. So, you know, like let's take, uh, let's take Atlanta, for example, that's like giving up a Julio, a Calvin Ridley yeah. and uh, you know, Jake Matthews, right. Those three so, guys, you say, Hey, we're going to give those guys away for one player. You better be oh, freaking yeah. right about it. You yeah. know what I mean? So. Yeah. I mean, I'm much more of a fan of trading down anyway. I mean, I hope we trade down this year. But, yeah, mean, absolutely. And if, if not, like you say, take Pitts, because I don't think anyone else makes sense yeah. for us. Yeah, I mean, the other one would be Penae Sewell, maybe. But I think that, you know, yeah. they drafted Lynch, uh, they, not Lindstrom. Who's that? Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah. Matthews, and Matthews, you know. So they've got some guys there. But, yeah. It's all going to be an interesting come draft night, um, definitely. Uh, Logan, we're going to cap it off there. I can't express how fun it's been being to talk to you tonight. Obviously, point out, this is our first one with you and could have been a more perfect player or anyone to have a chat with today about talk about your career and everything else going on. So really, really appreciate you taking the time out today. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for being interested, man. It was a lot of fun talking to you guys. And uh, it's cool to talk to people from uh, a different part of the world about the game, which is yeah. nice. So yeah definitely yeah awesome stuff really appreciate it on that note listeners keep an eye out for a lot more content we still got the draft up and coming we've got a lot of ideas and more content coming up for that and uh hopefully we'll get get some more players on like logan to come and chat with us so uh thank you very much for listening guys take care stay safe and catch you next time